Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grace, Peace, and Balance radio show by Gabi Abdel Qadir. This is episode 86, and I have got a lovely lady who is an incredible at giving, and her name is, is Suta. Let me read the family name properly, and I'm sure I'm going to say it right. So Suta Shanmugaraja. Yeah, excellent. Okay, good. So... Suda graduated from the University of Toronto with a Bachelor of Science degree in biochemistry. Currently, she works as a clinical research coordinator for the psoriatic arthritis program at the Toronto Western General Western Hospital. She has a deep love of reading books with inspirational and motivational themes, as well as having a spiritual lifestyle. Suta spends her free time volunteering and assisting people in need. She is dedicated to charity work and derives satisfaction from the happiness of those she helps. Every year, Suta takes part in different activities that bring meaning to her life. In the past, she has climbed the United Way Sea and Tower stair climb, oh wow, completed the 60 KM walk for the weekend to end breast cancer, ran a half marathon to raise funds for arthritis, took part in multiple 5K and 10K walks to raise funds for different charities. She coordinated a number of bake sales to raise money for arthritis program, has coordinated food drives, and has helped prepare meals for the homeless in shelters. In addition, she has spearheaded children's book drive and clothing drive that was devoted to impoverished families overseas. She takes on volunteer activities where there is a need for help. One of her meaningful volunteering opportunities was for the Evictus Games. I don't know what that is, but yeah. You are an incredible young lady. Uh, welcome to my podcast, Suta. I am so honored to have you today. Yeah, thank you, Gabby, for having me. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you tonight. <laughs> okay, so um, first, I would really like to take this opportunity, like in public, in my podcast, in YouTube, to thank you for your help, for all the donation you collected for my people back home in Tigray. For those of you who don't know where Tigray is, it's in Ethiopia that has been attacked by the government and by a neighboring country. There are 75,000 refugees in Sudan right now. And uh, people were dying, women and young girls were being raped and uh, a lot of homeless, a lot of uh, orphans there. So I was collecting clothing and uh, you did three rounds of collecting clothes for my people from babies to toddlers to teens and to adults and I'm so forever grateful to you so I had to put that first before I say anything else or I interview you thank you so much yeah I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to help uh, where there is needed as you mentioned in the bio yeah um, I'm always um, I, I wish you know there was no food shortage no clothes shortage or everybody has a home but that's not the reality. So when there's an opportunity to reach out and help, um, I'm always there if I can. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, what I appreciate more about you is it's not that what you have in your home only you get through, like you collect from your home. You go to all your families, you go to all your friends and tell them, oh, my friend needs this or these people need that. And you go to all the charities, to all the donors, and you collect from everybody tirelessly, although you have a full time job. And then you are a model. Hmm, that was not even in the bio. <laughs> and you are a model, you do a lot of modeling and you're like interviewed by so many people and you're so active. And the fact that you really take the time to go around driving to everybody to collect clothing and food and all that to distribute to others, it's really appreciated. Talk to me. When did you start uh, volunteering? Okay, so um, uh, let me say a little bit about me. So I'm yes. from um, originally from Sri Lanka and yeah. we left um, Sri Lanka because of the civil war. So I left when I was nine years old. So after we left, uh, we actually lost our home uh, through the civil war, our house was got bombed. Oh, and wow. uh, there were a number of people who got, you know, um, they lost their homes and everything. They have to leave their birthplace and go to other places. So I, I always say that I'm thankful for places like Canada for accepting immigrants and giving us um, opportunity. Yeah. So, but, but when I came to Canada, I was in, in Denmark for some time. And then I came to Canada when I was 13. And um, during that time, my dad was, he, he got sick. So he was, oh. um, had severe asthma and he, I think he couldn't able to manage with the, the weather here. Mm -hmm. So we, we had a difficult time. So, so whatever, like the, the country over here, they, they did help us. So, and uh, even from that time, um, my parents were not able to provide a lot of stuff, like the basic needs, you know, we had food. Yeah. And uh, so we were building up our life, you know, little by little. And uh, there were people that I have come across during my like, young age that uh, people were really nice. Uh, they wanted to help. Um, I, I could just mention one lady her name is Pressy. See, I, I was doing a, a volunteering, a core program at this medical center and she invited me to her home and uh, she would give me all these motivational books to read. Even Aww. though I had the language difficulty at that time, I would just take those books. She goes, you know, I have so many, just take them. And uh, I always mention a few of the books were Dr. Wayne Dyer. You will see it when you believe it. And then Tony Robbins books. And um, when I was reading that, at that time, we didn't have a lot of stuff. So I'm like, you know, oh, I don't like, it's just a book. The messages doesn't make any sense. Uh, but once in a while, when we were like really struggling, uh, I would go back and read this book. And uh, I was always on a positive end when I read this book. And um, even though we didn't have much in the, at home, I always had this uh, tendency of wanting to help another person or people would come to me even at my younger age. So my first uh, volunteering was at um, Scarborough Grace Hospital and wow. uh, I volunteered at the information desk and it was one of the difficult tasks for me because I had the difficulty of the language. language yeah. <laughs> so I'll be sitting and I don't know why they put me but they put me at the front area there. So I'll be like, Please, nobody has me questions. <laughs> How old were you? I was 16, but I came to Canada, I was 13. 
Yeah. And uh, there was like a less of uh, self-confidence, you know, I didn't have proper uh, clothes and all that. So I was raised in a difficult uh, situation. But um, I think all that experience of volunteering, starting at a young age, uh, that kind of brought up more confidence in myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, I think later in my 20s, I was not afraid to like speak to anyone. Doesn't matter if I speak properly or not. I would just ask them. And a lot of it came with uh, fundraising. So one of the, when I was in middle school, I had this, uh, all these kids were raising funds for Terry Fox. And then I, because I had the difficulty of the language and not feeling confident, I I wanted to sell chocolates, you know, I wanted to raise funds. And these people, like, you know, some of these kids are like, some were bullied too, because you don't know the language and they're like, oh, you can't do this. Um, So whenever someone say you can't do this, you know, that will go in my mind. Um, I don't take it as I don't go and sit and cry. I was like, no, I had to make this happen. So yeah. <laughs> that motivation built it up with me. And then later on, I go, I'm going to raise fundraise. So the first big fundraising, I would say, started with uh, the weekend to end breast cancer. I don't know why I signed up, but it was a 60 kilometer walk. Uh, it's a two day event, uh, 30 Saturday, 30 Saturday going from Ontario place to Downsville, and the next day you had to come back. So that's like a 60 kilometer. But the hardest part was you have to raise $2,000. Oh, wow. To, yeah, in order for you to walk. Like, so if you raise 1,700 or 1,500, you cannot do the walk, but the money still would go. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh my, how am I gonna raise this? So at that time I, I was working at the hospital, I would just ask anyone that I come across, Aww. And it started with $5, $10. And uh, I don't like, I go, how, how this is going to happen? And then I actually, I went over that $2,000 and I think $26. You did? Yeah. Good and job. then uh, after doing that, and after doing that walk, which I never trained myself, but is that I, I could do it. And um, you just had the willpower. Willpower, yeah. And yeah. plus at that time, I was working with breast cancer patients. So I go, you know, here people are dying, you know, like I'm healthy. Why can't I do something good? So it started that way. And uh, after I finished my walk, my my dad and my brother came to pick me up. And I had like, my feet was like all red and <laughs> I, I was like all tired. Uh, but after one week later, and then I go, oh, that wasn't bad. And that's how I built it up. And I you have done so many of the, the fundraising. The fundraising, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so one thing that I told myself, uh, I don't need to be rich to help someone. And it's just a matter of me, like being willing to do it. And uh, some of these books were really helpful for me. Like I'll read a book and then I go, okay, I could do another bake sale. And uh, people would come, uh, I get really motivated. And that's how it started. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, excellent. So I see that you have also volunteered for the Arthritis Society uh, Association. Is there yeah. any reason? Is there, do you have any family member or anybody, you know, who is suffering from arthritis? Uh, no. So what happened was initially I worked in the breast cancer research and then I worked in the, I've been working in the arthritis program okay. for many years. So I've been there for 15 and a half years okay. so talking to the patients and uh, they are always um, needing funds for to do research. And so I got involved in the 
um, like the walks the and runs. Yeah. And then actually I formed my own team. Like I created joints in, um, joints in action team that I had that I was using every year, like different uh, people would join and they fundraise. And uh, so it's, it's one way to making awareness, you know, the importance of taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of it was my dad, like becoming sick when he came to Canada. I find that being in this country, having the resource of um, the, the OHIP, yeah, you know, the medical, medical help, yeah. which is not available in a lot of the countries. Yeah. And um, so I, that's one of the reasons I think I went into working in the hospital and um, wanting to support that. Yeah. So sometimes people go, oh, you don't need to do that. But there's, imagine, you know, you have to do x-ray, ultrasound, like in, in some other country, you have to pay so much oh, to make that happen. About, tell me about it, even in yeah. our neighboring country. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at the OHIB, it's, it's more like a, a free, it's basically a lot of things are free, but people yeah. don't, people don't see that. So, and being working in the healthcare, like wherever there is an opportunity to fundraise um, or to be part of another team. And um, I have done so many uh, like that. So wanting to help. So that's, that's the healthcare aspect, yeah. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so, um, but your dad has asthma when he came in, you said. Is he yeah. okay now? Like, uh, Yeah, he's okay. He got, uh-huh. uh, he's on, uh, he's been using medication for, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. It's just initially, I think he was not able to adjust to the weather, especially okay. in the winter. Mm-hmm. But is is under control now. It's under yeah. control now. Okay, you're such a yeah. good daughter, such a good girl. So, okay, so I know you as the volunteer guru <laughs> in my network, and yeah. uh, talk to me. I know you are a model. Let's change gears now and talk about your modeling. Like, I am obsessed at looking of all these beautiful <laughs> dresses, these beautiful photos, and these days you have videos out as well. Yeah. Talk to me. How did you get into modeling? Okay, so um, it also happened uh, through the way of volunteering. So I was at an appreciation event for volunteering. And uh, so I met this lady, Susie Tamasier. She's the Susie Kuehl's fashion uh, attire uh, person, designer. So she was there also uh, at the volunteer appreciation. And then I started talking to her. And uh, see, there was a small, like a mini fashion show on that day mm-hmm. at that event and I was sitting there because as a young girl uh, when I as I mentioned earlier in my young age uh, coming to this country I had so much dream but we didn't have the money to buy you know fancy clothes and all that uh, which came in later in life but I always liked those fairy tale dresses uh, nice evening gowns um, so I was just talking to her and what I liked about um, her Thing was that she does support women, women shelter. So oh. then I go here, you know, this is the thing. So here's another opportunity for me to get involved. Okay. So when I got home that night, I was thinking, should I write to her? Why not? So I did write to her the next day asking for opportunity, if there's any opportunity in the future. And, uh, you know, I have a dream of wearing all these fancy stuff. And uh, she did respond to me and say, because there's an event coming up uh, in um, Durham region and you wanted to be part of it. 
So it's like always, you know, <laughs> I got so excited and uh, it's been good. And uh, I have been published in many magazines. Now, I know. Uh, oh different my. times. And yeah. I have been on the cover of one uh, French international magazine. And uh, so I got into that because then I heard that it will be supporting women's shelter. And plus uh, bringing out the confidence in yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, there is no limit in what you could achieve, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, nope, everybody has enough. Like if they want to do something, you should not be criticized on you cannot do it. There are ways to make things happen. Absolutely. So, and uh, so that's how it started. And I'm, I'm just enjoying. And, yeah, but uh, so you it's initially... also, yeah, you have <laughs> other people also like you're doing it for other people as well, right? Yeah. So it started with uh, pictures, got into magazine. Now people are like voluntarily wanting to do videos and yeah. So it's, it's just been going good. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. I wanted to like, part of it, I do it to just to bring confidence to other women who, you know, there's no age limit. You don't need to worry about, you know, how you look. Everybody is beautiful in their own way. Everybody yes. is unique. Yeah. And uh, fashion is something is not just, you know, you have to be size zero and it's just for one person. It's an everyday um, use, you know, we need yeah. clothes for every day. Absolutely. So, so, and I, I enjoy doing it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the camera loves you. <laughs> the camera does love you, Suda, I tell you. Yeah, so you were born for camera, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so um, that was a great advice for younger generation who have self-confidence issues and uh, maybe mental health issues who... Yeah. Either they were bullied growing up or in school, either because of their size or because of their skin color. I think you and I know a lot about that. Uh, it's in my book and uh, it could be um, anything. So it just the bullying in school or the calling names or the being isolated, it kind of increases in the lack of self-confidence in the young generation, especially girls. And then it goes to... Uh, mental health to depression and anxiety and hating school and hating people what advice would you give um the younger suta like the, the younger uh, yeah the younger suta like the 12 year to 18 year old old suta what advice would you give her about self-confidence and about beauty and about uh yeah, loving yeah, yourself. So, yeah, currently I'm also working on um, uh, writing an autobiography. So this is a good question you asked, because in that I did share about uh, being, you know, your beauty and how you look. And uh, I think back then I didn't have that confidence uh, in myself. Um, so I think it's part of the, the community too. So I in, in that book, I wrote that... Uh, you know, we talk about um, colors, skin colors and all that. So sometimes people are like, you know, black life matters and all that. And But I find it within the culture, there is also discrimination on how you look and all that. So I was, uh, I do have a thing that when I was growing up, people would say, oh, I'm like darker. So even though like we are categorized as brown, uh, Within the community, they also look for fairness in your skin. Tell and, me about it. Yeah, and then they say that 
you know, if you're more fair, you're more beautiful. So if you're a darker tone, then they're like, okay, you know, you're going to have a problem when you get married. Your parents are going to have difficulty finding your husband when it comes to arranged marriage. So I had that thing in my mind, okay, I'm, I'm less beautiful than the, the other, other people yeah. who are more fair, like in, in skin tone. So, and then I go, this like uh, this color and how people define you like later in life, I go, you know, stop it. You know, it's like, I, I know how good I'm, I look. I think most of the time is you spend a little bit of money on, on yourself, you know, do your hair and wear proper, like a nice clothes. Any young girl could look beautiful. Absolutely. I think, yeah. So anyone, you know, if you give them the proper, the resources, um, you can make them look beautiful. And also by commenting them, like giving them them positive compliments. words, compliments, right? Rather than, oh my God, you know, like, um, I think I was raised in that way when I was in back home, like where people like, oh my God, you're like, you're darker or your sister is more fair, like, you know. So those kind of comments are like negative comments. And uh, I think being in this country, people realize how those are not the right things to say. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. So if I were to go back and uh, where I am now, I, I just go and laugh about those things. And exactly. if I come across girls who are like feeling um, unvalued and all that, I go, you know, everybody's beautiful in their own way. Right? Yeah. So that, that was a big, yeah, that was a big thing. And then people who told me that, you know, fashion show is for beautiful girls. I have been in so many publications just in the year and a half. So if you believe in yourself, it could, the dream would come, you know, um, you could achieve it yeah. any, any time, but you have to be in that positive vibration for things to Absolutely. happen. Yeah. And um, this is how it happened with my volunteering and helping people. Um, I'm spiritual, meaning I just don't um, just go to one place. Yeah. I mingle with so many people. I look at people as people and I value people with whatever they practice. And because of uh, that personality, people have opened their doors. So I go to church, I go to uh, Buddhist temple. I have been with Japanese group. I go to a temple. I have been um, with the Muslim people. So this is how I look at people. You know, if you show love, they, you get that love back from, from them. And, um, and it comes to charity too. It doesn't matter what culture, religion, where you're from. Um, there are around the world people who are, not everybody is wealthy. So in, in each part of the world, in each uh, different country, there are people who are struggling and uh, they need food. And uh, so that's how I look at it. Yeah. And then uh, one thing I really respected uh, the last time we met when you were handing me um, donation number three. Yeah. Is <laughs> you asked, you said to me to let you know if I know of any small charity organizations not like the big ones because they yeah. get a lot of money like united way and unicef and uh, all those ngos non-governmental organizations they already get a ton of money from people and from companies right 
Yeah, yeah. And what I respected was um, I even came in and I told my best friend, I told her, like, you know what she said to me today? I really love that woman. Every time like we get together, there is something that I really love about you. I really like how you told me if I knew any small charity organizations that are helping poor people or the homeless, but they don't get a lot of funding. They don't get funding to let you know. Yeah. So that is the way to do it. And I really respect you for that. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, we have the rich people, the middle class, and then the poor. So we need to reach out to them. Sometimes people go, you know, oh, they could work or they could do this. Um, But you don't know what state of mind they're in. You know, we talked about uh, the mental health. Um, When you're struggling to even feed your family, you know, that has a lot of uh, impact on you, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's why I like to reach out to families uh, through like different network of yeah. uh, people. So I'm like, uh, so sometimes when you ask, you know, I wanted to, I try my best to share the message on social media and I wanted to get, I do have another lady who sent to Africa, Kenya. So I, I give her different stuff and I've been collecting for different parts of Sri Lanka mm-hmm. and I have given, and in the past, you know, different group of people, Philippine, even Guyana, like Guyana, like, so when I give it individually, I know it will be going to that remote village where they cannot, they're not able to afford it. Then it's, it's just a happy feeling. And uh, the, the title I say, Spirit of Giving, and I don't know who is looking after me, the, the God there, every time I fill my trunk with donation and then I clear the trunk, then somebody else calls me and they go, they have more stuff. So it's just, uh, so I love my hand because most of the time, you know, I want to do something and I just get a phone call. I go pick up and then I pass it on to the other person. So it's just been uh, great. And even though I'm so busy, uh, this just motivates me. Like um, a week ago, someone, one of my friends, he goes, he's going to make $200 donation to me. And then I go, I, you know, I don't have charities, so I don't write um, taxes or whatever. I've been doing this for 20 years, over 20 years. And people have given me money, but just to show them, you know, where the money is going. Usually I, I do the grocery shopping. And uh, so there, there's a difference, you know, some people take grocery items. Some people, we actually have to make food for them because they don't have them. They're on the street. Yeah. So we have to make the sandwiches. So, so that's why I have different group of people doing different things Thanks, so yeah. I took the $200 from my friend and I go I'll tell you what I'm gonna do so for $67 I bought stuff for one group and then $412 I bought stuff for another person and then I still have some money and I told her uh, you'll see what I'm gonna do yeah. so with that $200 and she goes how come you got all this stuff with that you know if when she goes shopping the $200 he spent uh, so fast but uh, she's seen the pictures and, you know, I'm sharing the receipt with her. And he goes, how do you get this? And I go, because I've been doing this for many years. I know where to get the, the bargain and I know what yeah. people need. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And then I went and then she has seen it on Facebook. I have shared it. And now she's like, my son's birthday is coming. Are you able to make food and give it to someone? I go, sure. Why not? <laughs> so it's just, uh, this is how it, it builds up. 
to give and, away. Uh, I yeah. find that that makes me happy. I I don't watch TV. I don't watch TV at all. Same here. So people go, you must have, you're like, you're not doing much. You have so much time you're doing this. Yeah, and then I go, <laughs> I wake up early and I, I'm good at uh, planning, you know, plan time management yeah. and um, being out with people and doing this kind of things makes me motivated. So I can go to bed late at night and yeah. then feeling happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. So what I, I, I was really surprised to hear that a lot of the low income, like the minimum wage workers, that, that people who have like four or five children they actually depend on food bank a lot. Is that true? Do you have any idea? Because I was really surprised that the, because the income is not enough when you have four or yeah. five kids and you're working on a minimum wage or single moms, for example, most mm. of the time, they yeah. it's not enough and they depend and they go like to food bank to yeah. get stuff. Have you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have... Um... I have heard a lot and I know a lot of people are using because, you know, over here, like even um, renting a place, it's not cheap as uh, it used to be. Huh. Like I remember back then when with my family, we paid $900 for like two bedroom. Now you, you have to like, it's like 1,400 for like one bedroom. One bedroom. That's even yeah. if you can find it in a good area, yeah. you can't yeah. find it for 1,400. Yeah. Yeah, so if you do the budget and if you're working uh, minimum pay, like how could you, like I think there's not, like whatever you get paid, even like, you know, I'm making good money, but there's all these expenses. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cars and, you know, phones. Insurance, yeah. Yeah, so I, if they have um, four or five kids, um, I do remember, I, I know there's an area like, uh, because they always subsidized housing, even yeah. if they are in a subsidized housing, mm -hmm. still it's not enough to take yeah. care of a family of five or six. So they have to depend on food banks. So yeah, like, you know, uh, if you, because when, when I came to this country, we were like three of us, uh, we just had like, you know, a minimum, like very few clothes that we were, we were growing up with, or even buying a shoe has been on a special day or whatever. So that's how we were raised too, because then we came as immigrants. Yeah. And uh, I still know there is a neighborhood. It's okay to talk about because they are looking for school supplies and school bags. And it's, uh, it's in uh, Toncliffe Park. I don't know if you know Toncliffe Park mm -hmm. uh, in around Eglinton. No, Dunmas and Overly. Oh, Fleming, okay. Flemington, like Thorncliffe, Thorncliffe area. Okay. Uh, they're always families. I have done uh, some youth leadership program in that neighborhood because I wanted to do it over there. The reason being um, they don't have, uh, parents don't have money for extracurricular activities for kids. So yeah. if you have three, four kids, you know, and if they're already struggling to pay rent, uh, so you had to buy clothes, um, school supplies, Yes. Uh, so it's really hard. Nothing is, everything is, the price wise, everything is going up. So it's, it's not, it's not easy, right? It's not, yeah. It's, it's not, not easy. Really, yeah. Yeah. And um, I have done like different activities during Christmas, Easter, uh, Thanksgiving. And there are like a lot of people put their name down for, for food, like turkey oh, and canned yeah. items. Yeah. So I know that it's a high demand. And um, sometimes people think, if they make a donation today, 
okay, they they did their part, but it's it's not like that. Is for for similar to us, you know, we had to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, and uh, so we do a budget for one week. You know, there, there's so much to need to account for, right? Yes. So someone helping for one meal is is kind of nothing. So yeah. When you look at the whole picture, there's so yeah. many people. And uh, especially now, I heard the number of people depending on uh, food bank is more uh, during COVID. You know, people have people lost their jobs or they got sick. Um, there's and so many things. I, I haven't been downtown, the center of downtown, but I was told that the number of homelessness has multiplied. Yeah, yeah. And uh, because of uh, there were different reasons too, people could not be. Um, you know, when they were using the, the shelter, it was not because of social distancing and all that factor. I think a lot of people were camping outside and yeah. we have seen that re- recently on the news. Yeah. So it's, it's also people are struggling um, health-wise, mentally, because of uh, if one person loses their job, husband and like a wife are working, one person loses their job, we are like, we are everything you are like paying, you know, there's nothing free. Yeah. The money and work is, uh, it's needed. Yeah. So yeah. There, there are a lot of people depending Struggling. on the Yeah. And then the thing is, the reason people become homeless is if they can't pay their rent. Yeah. The owner, like the landlord can wait for you one month, two months, month number three, whatever stuff you had could be down the street. Because I remember uh, downtown a few years ago this lady she was a york university graduate mm. she was interviewed she was homeless she yeah. was interviewed and um you know what she said it just hit a lot of people like a brick what she said she said i am a york university graduate i used to have a good job and i got laid off she said my family is like i think in windsor so she's here by herself because she, to find a better job, she was working and then she could not find another job very quickly. And because she was living from paycheck to paycheck, she was unable to pay the second month, even though she was getting a little bit of unemployment. Mm-hmm. Month number three, she couldn't pay. One day she went out and she came, she found her bed and whatever chairs and her stuff in the street. And uh, that was it. She could not go back home and she could not. And you know what she said? She said, you know, all these people dressed up in suits, walking downtown, all these bunkers or whatever. She said, I guarantee you 80% of them, they're one paycheck away from being homeless. Yeah, like even, you know, last year when I'm in in healthcare, I work in research and research was put on hold um, during COVID. Yeah. So we, we were doing other um, duties to help out. But um, there were people who, could, who weren't able to do that or they were really afraid to be at the hospital setting because of COVID. And so it could have happened to me too. You know, I could have lost my job and that, that would be the situation. So we, we never know what's going to happen with anyone, right? Yeah, <laughs> I know. It could happen yeah. with anyone. Yeah, I know. And then uh, my advice to people is never ever to be judgmental. Yeah. about homeless because I see a lot of people yelling you know go get a job and whatever yeah, yeah, like yeah. don't judge period a lot of the multimillionaires right now that we know mm-hmm. uh, were homeless at one time Steve Harvey yeah. the TV mogul like he said it like he said he lived in his car for how long he was homeless 
And then from the movie, The Secret, for example, yeah. you have Dr. Joe Vitale, who is now like has all this car collection and all that stuff. He says it in the movie that he was homeless once. I yeah. read a book about the guy, the gentleman who started Second Cup. He was homeless once. I read yeah. this in a book. And then don't judge people. If you can help, that would be fantastic. Even if it's some money for a bagel or a muffin and a coffee. If you can't help, keep your mouth shut, people. That's yeah. all I can say. Don't call them names. Don't judgment, judge them because karma is karma. I'm not going to yeah. say the real word that I was yeah. going to say, but so be careful yeah. what you send out because it comes back to you. If it doesn't come back to you, it will come back to your children. It just could take a year. It could take two years. What you send out always comes back to you. So don't judge them. Don't mistreat them. Please. What is your opinion on that? Uh, that's that's so true. You know, uh, people have a, a quick tendency of making their own imaginary thoughts, and uh, because I I could I could say the same thing. My dad worked really really hard to build this uh, big house back home, and uh, once we left uh, because of the war, it it was bombed. So when people like you know when we come as immigrants here, people it's just an assumption. Oh, they they don't have anything. They're like from the uh, the poor, the village yeah. people, whatever. And uh, once you start to share the story, and like, really, this is what happened. So, and I don't make judgment on anyone. Like whenever I see someone on the street, um, I do feel sorry. There, there is a reason that they're there. And uh, I could imagine if I was alone in this country and uh, I lost my job and I didn't have any money to pay all these bills. And nobody there to are not take a lot of people in. who are gonna come and help you, as they yeah. say, they could pay you for one one meal or two yeah. meals, right? Yeah. But yeah. they're not gonna be taking care of you for one month or more. Yeah. And then I might be, you know, getting stressed out and um, mentally affected, and I could be on the street too. Um, yeah. That doesn't mean I don't have education. I, you know, went through this, so anything can happen to anyone. So that's why we are collectively helping people, you know, yeah. by providing them with it, with clothes or whatever. It just makes them happy that somebody is showing them love. And yeah. uh, bottom line is loving one another and being there when they need um, that help yeah. is very important than any other, um, you know, medication is important, but a human soul is helping another person. Yeah. It's, it's very, very important. And I, so many people have come into my life uh, that, you know, I find that connection between them and um, the help is keep on growing and yeah. getting to know people. Yeah. yeah. And keep on giving. Like you said, you don't have to be rich yeah. to, to be giving, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So excellent. And that I was... do had, I had people where they go, oh, what do you think? You're Mother Teresa. You're going to make a change. <laughs> um, Mother Teresa is, was a person too. So anybody, you know, we don't have to be like someone. You, as long as you have good heart and willingness to put that effort and time, uh, there are, you know, ten, hundred, thousands of people who who will believe in you and uh, do the same things, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. don't listen to them. Um, yeah, you don't have to be compared to Mother Teresa. You don't have to be compared to anybody. You're Suta, yeah. Suta, the greatest volunteer in Toronto. 
So that's who you are. So it was such a pleasure having you. So what is your last advice? Okay, so I'm just going to go back. How do you want to close? Yeah, you have to yeah but because whenever I have an interview, I always leave it. Um, once again, Dr. Wayne Dyer's book. Uh, you will see it when you believe it. Okay. You will see it yeah. when you believe it. Okay, so since you are in my podcast for the first time, I have to ask you two questions outside of volunteering and being a giver, okay? Okay. So question number one. If you had to visit three countries and three countries only before you die, what countries would they be? Um, I wanted to go to Greece, mm-hmm. uh, Portugal, mm-hmm. and uh, Ireland. And Ireland. Okay. So good choices. Okay. So <laughs> Greece and yeah, I haven't been to any of them. Good choices. Beautiful. Uh, if you had to fulfill one dream that you haven't fulfilled yet, but you want to fulfill before you die, what dream would it be? Okay, um, I always wanted to have a nonprofit organization. Uh, I've been doing everything for the past 20 years, but uh, I want, uh, I don't have my own children, but I, I wanted to have something that one of my family members, nieces or nephews who could uh, kind of continue doing similar things in, in the future. Okay, so you have to, you want to have your own uh... If charity I can. organization yes you can it's yeah. not if you can yes you can. <laughs> yeah so okay. because i was able to do all this without a charity yeah uh non-profit but um, just want to leave that legacy of to be continued yeah it will be it will be trust me it's not that difficult mm-hmm. it was such a pleasure having you on my podcast i love you i have so much respect for you <laughs> suta thank you so much for being on my podcast. Yeah, thank you for, Gabby, thank you for Gab, uh, having me. And um, this is what I say, you meet someone, I, I think I have known you for almost uh, maybe three, three years, years, about three years, about three years and yeah. uh, we had that good connection and yes. we, are, we are always meeting for something, something, something. for good. And you also yeah. share the story in my book, the book on yeah. discrimination. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, if uh, for those of you uh who have my book, this is the surah that shared a, a story in my book. It's called the book on discrimination, real life stories of struggles and triumphs. It's available on Amazon and the Spanish version is coming out in the next two weeks. This is, but if you want the English version is you go to amazon.ca or amazon.com and uh, you can uh, read her story. She's got an amazing story of discrimination that she has shared. So. Okay, lovely to meet you. Lovely to have you on my podcast. Thank I mean, you. Lovely yeah. to meet you on Zoom. Not like in person, <laughs> we meet a lot. Okay. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. Okay, okay thank, thank you me. so much, everybody. Until the next episode, stay safe and wishing you grace, peace, and balance. Thank you.